Well, <clears throat> it is good to see so many uh, people in the front rows excited to hear the word of God this morning, right? Um, today, uh, we are in the season of Advent where we want to be intentional during the season, not just to prepare our homes with decorations like Christmas lights and Christmas trees, but really a season to be intentional about preparing our hearts because we don't want to miss what really, really matters uh, this Christmas. I don't know if you've ever missed something that really mattered to you. Um, It doesn't have to be an overly dramatic incident, uh, but something that was important to you. Maybe it was a ball game or a homework assignment, maybe a family reunion or a wedding, hopefully not your own but somebody, a friend's wedding, but you miss something that really mattered to you, and there are all kinds of reasons why we miss things, right? It slips your mind, you're running late, or or you get distracted with everything else on your plate, or maybe you even underestimated the significance of something that you missed, that you didn't know how important this was until after you missed it. But I just want you to think of an incident and, and ask yourself, I want to ask this, have you ever missed something that really mattered. Uh, What I'd like you to do is take a moment and uh, tell the person sitting next to you about something that you missed and why you missed it. Okay, like 30 seconds, so like you have a real brief window. Just share something that you missed and why you missed it. And if you haven't been paying attention, you can use this as an example, okay? (laughs) All right, go ahead. 30 seconds, go. One of the things, one of the things that I always dread missing, one of the things that I dread missing as a pastor is, uh, especially on Saturdays, I set my alarm on my phone at 5 a.m. every Saturday night. And I always feel anxious to make sure and and double check that my my alarm is set. Because one of the worst nightmares of, of a pastor is when you're supposed to be on stage speaking to hundreds of people but you're still in bed sleeping, right? That's just a terrible nightmare to have. In fact, I actually had that nightmare last weekend. Uh, I should have been here uh, ready for worship on Sunday morning, but I wasn't. And when I arrived, Nate was on stage in my dream, killing time, just trying to wait for me, hoping that I'd come. Uh, And so he's just making stuff up up here and talking away. And as I come, this, this is my dream, right? So, and as I enter into the sanctuary, I'm running up on stage with my Bible, and then I realize that uh, I'm, I'm not wearing something. <laughs> I wasn't naked, okay? Uh, but but uh, if you've been here, if you come here, in my dream, I wasn't wearing my black shirt. Right? And I was like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. I woke up in a, in a sweaty mess and I was just like, oh, I wasn't even speaking last Sunday, but it, it was truly a nightmare. <laughs> you know, for a pastor to, to miss church because you overslept. And it's easy for us to miss something because you get distracted or it slips your mind and it happens to all of us. 
In a book called The Invisible Gorilla, the author highlights an experiment that was done with hundreds of volunteers uh, who watched a 30-second video of two teams wearing different color shirts, black and white, enclosed in a small room, passing around two different basketballs to one another. And the assignment was to count how many passes were made by the team dressed in white. And so these volunteers are watching very intently, counting the number of passes. What they're not told is right in the middle of the video, there is a man in a gorilla suit who walks uh, just subtly right into the middle of the whole scene, uh, looks to the camera, beats his chest, and walks off stage. Afterwards, the volunteers are asked, how many times did the team in white pass the basketball? Almost all of them got the answer right, 15. Then they were asked, how many noticed the man in the gorilla suit? A surprisingly low percentage of people actually noticed the man in the gorilla suit. In fact, so many of them denied it that they had to show the video of them watching the video uh, to, to finally convince them that it actually had taken place. The author goes on to make the point that the reason they missed something so obvious was that they were too focused on counting how many times the basketball was being passed that they didn't notice the man in the gorilla suit. I think that's also a lesson for us in life, which is this. We miss things, sometimes really, really important things, because we're distracted by something else that has our attention. I don't know what the technical term is for that whole dynamic where you miss something because you're focusing on something else, but you can be certain that that dynamic was in play during that first Christmas morning 2,000 years ago. We're going to read that story found in Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2. And you could read in your Bibles or follow along with the words on the screen. And it seems pretty nondescript and ordinary, but uh, after we read this, we're going to kind of take our imagination into what it would have felt like to be in that time. Verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, I want us to imagine how incredibly chaotic things would have been in a small town like Bethlehem, right? Normally, there would have been less than like a thousand residents in the town, but now things are like crazy, extremely busy as people are making their journey back to their own hometown. Now, just imagine what this would be like if the government issued a similar decree today, Right, that each of us was required to go back to our own hometown where you were born in order to register there for a national census. Right, people would be crisscrossing the, the entire nation, and if you, if, you, uh, if you lived in the hometown that you were born in, just imagine what your hometown would feel like. 
imagine what your home would feel like, right? It'd be overrun with family and friends who used to live there, then moved away and now are coming back uh, to to register. And now you're trying to figure out sleeping arrangements. You have to uh, arrange meals for everyone. And it's just going crazy. So some of this should sound familiar to us, especially during this time of year when a lot of people are traveling and things are crazy, right? And things would have been very chaotic back in Bethlehem. People would have been packing and unpacking. The roads would have been filled. It would have been a mess. There's just a lot of things going on at this time. And when the family and friends finally arrived to your hometown, just imagine there are long lines of government offices waiting to fill out all kinds of forms and paperwork, So all we can just say is in this little town of Bethlehem, the night before Jesus was born, it was very, very busy. It was so busy that Luke makes the point in verse 7 that for Joseph and Mary, there was no guest room available for them. There was no place for them to sleep. And I imagine maybe it was because Joseph and Mary uh, were a little late in arriving, maybe a little slow because of Mary's pregnancy. And so it seems that they were put in an area where uh, it was typically occupied by livestock because a manger is a feeding trough, right? And and talk about uh, missing something that really, really mattered, right? Everyone in Bethlehem is so busy trying to get all these details together that they are oblivious to this young woman who gives birth to the son of God in their small hometown, now imagine what it would have been like if you were uh, traditionally the, the, the owner of the inn who says, sorry, we have no room here, right? And you realize what you had missed, that for generations, you, your family had been talking about the coming Messiah who's prophesied from long ago. And here, you don't realize it, but it happens, his birth happens right in your own backyard, In fact, you shoved God into uh, the barn that was in your backyard. Now, so the people of Bethlehem were really busy back 2,000 years ago. They had a lot going on. They were preoccupied, being reunited with family and friends, taking care of all the little details that need to be taken care of. And I think not much has changed in 2,000 years. We get so busy with so many things in our lives, especially this time of year, and everything that you have on your to-do list seems very necessary, right? If you look at your to-do list, I mean, you'll probably find like, oh man, there's nothing I could really take off of this list. And what often happens during this Christmas time is we end up missing out on the only thing that really matters this season. Right? And I know it's a cliche. We say it all the time, right? Jesus is the reason for the season and all that, blah, blah, blah. But, but, can we, but yet we consistently uh, still put ourselves in that place where we find ourselves so busy that we really do miss the reason for the season. And for many of us, you may find yourself right in the middle of Bethlehem right now. Things are busy. Family and friends are coming and going. There's a lot of details that need to be taken care of. And it's difficult to build any kind of margin in your life to really stop and to reflect and to remember that Christmas is more than just family and friends and gifts and and, and eggnog and those things are all great. There was an article written a number of years ago in the New York Times called The Busy Trap. 
Uh, and I remember it was a really uh, convicting article that I, I reread it this uh, Christmas season. And, and I want to quote a, a bit of it because I think it really highlights part of the reason why we find ourselves so busy. The author of the article says this, we're busy because of our own ambition or drive or anxiety, because we're addicted to busyness and dread what we might have to face in its absence. The present hysteria is not a necessary or inevitable condition of life. It's something we have chosen, if only by our acquiescence to it. Rarely does it ever feel chosen, right? But he's saying, no, we choose to be busy. And then this is the killer part for me. Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, in demand every hour of the day. And I think that's that line, that busyness serves as a a hedge of protection against our own emptiness. That leads me to think that the emptier we are, the busier we try to be. Isn't that true? We're afraid that if we slow down, if we stop and really reflect it on our own lives, that we would see things that we don't want to acknowledge or even recognize. And because we're so empty, we try to keep ourselves really, really busy. To build on that, I would even go as far as saying this. During the season, the harder it is for you to slow down and be with Jesus, the more desperately you need to do that. Maybe you think, man, I've uh, places to go, people to see. I have this trip and, and I have these gifts to wrap and these cards to send out. I don't have time for God. That may be that you need that more than anybody else here today. So let me give you a, a couple practical suggestions that can help you really reorient your focus in worshiping God. Because that's what we want to do today, right? We want our hearts not to be consumed by all these lesser things. We want to remember and we want to worship God and what he has done for us. The first thing I would say is this. You know, even coming here on a Sunday morning, I know, and I get this, and I, I mean, I see this whenever I'm not speaking, I, I stand in the back, right, after the sermon's over, right, before we close, and you know, we have a closing song, and, and a prayer, and all that kind of stuff, it's really easy, it's super easy to be like, all right, I came here for the lecture, right, I don't need the closing song, blah, 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 yeah, I know that song, and just head out, besides, I got lunch plans, I want to get out before the whole crowd gets out, it's going to snow, whatever, and it's easy just to be like, hey, you know what, uh, I, got my, I got my sermon fix, and, and now, you know, and not really come before God's presence and really worship him, and so I want to challenge you, um, uh, and, and that's not a few, I mean, that's, that's not a lot of people. It's, it's just a few of you, right? Uh, but, but it's just a, just a challenge of just coming before God uh, afterwards at the end of the service and just to be in his presence and to worship him, to reorient your heart towards him. The other thing is, uh, you know, in six days, on Saturday, this coming Saturday is Christmas Eve, uh, I'd encourage you to come to our uh, Christmas Eve service. Again, not just to come and to attend, but to come and to worship. It'll be a time of reflection, a time of singing, 
And don't make Christmas Eve just a Christmas function or a holiday event or a family tradition. But come with a sense of expectation and awe that you're going to meet with God and and you're going to come together with God's people and you're going to worship him. So so that'd be one encouragement, to to focus on Jesus, to really worship him today and any time we're here gathered together. The other thing, too, and this is kind kind of an extra point, if you're here during Christmas Eve service, I'd encourage you to maybe invite a friend or family, a coworker or a neighbor. Uh, we're going to be talking about, we're gonna, uh, what we want to do is really introduce them to Jesus, uh, and perhaps maybe for the very first time. So just come and worship with us together. Uh, and going from the corporate level to more of a personal individual level, I just say this, sometime bef- between now and the end of the year, uh, hopefully more, uh, uh, sooner than that, take some time to be alone with God. Maybe it's in the middle of Christmas Day or maybe it's in the middle of a New Year's Eve party. But here's what I would ask you to do. Consider what God has done for you. Right? We often think of Christmas as a time where uh, this baby is born and it's baby Jesus. But let's also remember that, that baby Jesus will live a life, a life without sin. And one day, a crown of thorns will be pressed upon his head. One day, a Roman soldier would spit on his face, and one day, Roman soldiers would nail his hands to a cross where he would lay down his life so that you and I can be reconciled to God once and for all. And so during this Christmas, take time to reflect on your own of the good news of Jesus Christ. When is the last time that you stood in awe of the gospel? And then in response to that, uh, maybe, maybe in the middle of a New Year's Eve party, maybe it's at your house, I would say, go, go take a break. Step outside for a moment. I, I know it might be like negative degrees out, but take, I mean, step outside for a moment. Look up and find the brightest star in the night sky. That's what the wise men did, right? And it led them to Jesus. And as you step outside, Maybe this could be an expression of your time alone with God. Find that bright star and just be still. Just be still and try to hear God's voice saying to you how much he loves you. And if you really want to, in the midst of that, maybe you're in the middle of your front yard while a party is going on inside, just like lift up your head and, and raise your hands. Right? Don't, I mean, don't bother about the neighbors. They already think you're strange or whatever, right? Just raise your hands and just proclaim something like, glory to God in the highest. And just be with God and worship him. And remember, right, let's be intentional not to miss the only thing that really matters during this Christmas season. Would you all stand and join me as we close in prayer? Would you bow your heads? And God, in the midst of the craziness of our lives, of our busy schedules, of our comings and goings, we give you this time to create space in our hearts just like the baby Jesus was formed in the womb of his earthly mother. 
we ask that you be formed in our hearts today. That we could reorient our hearts in this opportunity that's given to us to lift up our, our, not only our voices, but our praise and our worship, to lift up our hands and to say glory to God in the highest. And so today, we wait in expectation, in anticipation of your coming, of your presence to dwell right here in our midst. And God, all we can do now is to lift up our voice, lift up our hands, and praise to you. Would you be the center of our lives this season? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.